This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli. I wouldn't be able to explain why. Maybe at time we complicated it a little bit and we, we stay in the perimeter. It doesn't matter where they are in the standing. It, it, it's a hardworking team and if you're not ready to go kind of in the mix in front of the net and do the work, then that's how it's going to look, I think. That's not the way we want the second period to go, but uh, there's 82 games and things like that are going to happen. And uh, We happen to weather it and go into the third, third period and uh, we knew we needed to be better and we did that. Veteran team that uh, knows how to close out games or uh, you know stick with it. Uh, obviously, going into the third period, you know, you know, you win a period, you win a game. So uh, you just kind of focus on that 20 minutes at hand and uh, kind of go from there. I thought we got to the offensive zone. We weren't deliberate enough, you know, going to the net. And I thought we got better at that in the third. You know, Pointer's goal is a that next goal was the big one, and, and we got it. And then Hags follows up, and, and we kind of took it home from there. But just a little, we wanted to win that game. We just weren't doing all the things we needed to for much of it. And then the third period, uh, you know, pointers line took over. Oh, did they ever? Did they ever? We call that munching points. Mm-hmm. Every time I say that, partner, do you get a little smile? Mm-hmm. I do. I did it. I did it yesterday. You said it to Phil. I did. Did Phil even know what you were talking about? No idea. Do you think he, he, is, he has ever heard John Cooper say He probably points? has, but I don't think it's... It's something that he ponders like we do. Do you think Phil, when he's driving home, because we are usually on our way Mm -hmm. when you are into post-game and certainly the last call, do you think Phil has ever heard a John Cooper post-game press conference while he's driving home after a game? No. (laughs) No, (laughs) He doesn't have very far to drive. I think. By the way, in in a a not-so-subtle... Not even cross promotion. This is just promotion. But I was explaining to Phil yesterday yes. how to get HD two on his car radio. <laughs> so did you did you videotape that so we? Could I all... didn't videotape it, but fans might be interested to know too. And Steve tells me some cars are this way, some cars aren't. My car is this way, so I discovered it. You just put your radio to one hundred two five, which is the bone, and then like, what would you do if you wanted to go to one hundred two seven? you'd hit the the knob that doesn't control the volume. It's the search knob, right? Mm -hmm. And you turn it to the right, and it goes up one station. Well, instead of going to 1027, it goes to 1025 HD2. And so I I laid that information on Phil. He's like, oh, oh, really? You know how he says that? Yeah. Oh, really? 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 Yeah, because he's been listening on TuneIn, I think. So I said, well, when you're in your car, there's no reason why you can't just listen to the HD2 station. For now... Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. For now, what you get on HD2 is the same as what you would get on TuneIn. Uh, a lot of it is, yeah. That's going to okay. change uh, eventually, but yes. But for the purposes of like listening to post game or power lunch or a power lunch replay, if you missed it, yes. I mean, some, sometimes HD2. some USF basketball programming is on, so sometimes it, it's it's different. But for now, yeah. most of it is lightning programming. I wonder how many people. And maybe we can just do a short little poll here. Listen to us via the app or listen to us via HD2. Well, look, I will say this. Some of the complaints that we've had about the TuneIn app relating to commercials basically populating in the middle of the show, you're not going to have that on the HD2. But like Basil, for example, we know Basil lives in Ohio. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to listen on the app. 
when you're talking about terrestrial radio, you you are still talking about signal strength. And while the signal strength is quite good, I don't think it reaches to Ohio. Yes. Wouldn't that be great? Steve would love that. His <laughs> his his peeps in Cincinnati would be able his to listen peeps? to his handiwork. Well, the strike will be streaming soon too. So. Well, there, there you, you go. go. Yeah. Without commercials populating for no reason. Yeah, we're we're working on that. We're working on that. Yeah. Yeah. Working out the kinks. Right. As they But since they say. I, I have made the switch, I will say personally, when I get in my car What do you do? I go to the H D two. Okay. And it's probably a beautiful signal. Yeah, it's great. You know? Love it. There you go. Talking a little programming. Yeah. After the lighting so took Phil, care of business. Phil hopefully understands now. And and it's kind of like we said with tune in that once you find us on tune in it goes there basically automatically yes you know your car radio it's gonna when you when you turn the car off it if it's on that station it'll be on that station when you get back in your car right you sound like a programmer you know that you sound like a program director just make sure we want to keep them when they turn that car off and they hop back in the car they've got hd2 well thank you that is definitely not my not my comfort level but i'm just explaining what i've done so well, I think a lot of people appreciate that. Yeah, you know, and it it's continue. And look, we appreciate everybody that is stuck with us. And continues. not everybody is going to listen in their car too. So that's Understood. the other part of it. If you're exercising mm-hmm. or you're in the house, no you doubt, know, doing the laundry or something, you want it in the background. You'll need to, unless you have a radio, which not too many people have a radio anymore. Mm-hmm. If you have an Echo Dot or something like that, does it play on the Echo Dot, Steve? Mm-hmm. Yes, question. you can play tune in. Through the there. HD radio does yes, that play? You can on play the Echo tune dot? in through there. You can play tune in. Oh, you through can there. get yeah. tune in. Yeah. Okay. All these places you can get us. Yeah, yeah. you just got to look for us. You do. Once you, you do. find us, you'll never we're leave stuck us. with you. Yeah, yeah. we'll never leave you. We're like a leech that is attached to your arm <laughs> sucking all the nutrients oh, man. out of you sorry that's a little uh, graphic you know we are taping this because yeah. it is early in the morning so my my stomach was was churning right there i'm sorry Craig. that's okay but you're we heading, will get to the game last night you're heading to but, montreal and i yes. tell you what a nice way last night to end that homestand with the win against the team let's face it very rarely does it happen i think when there's as much parity in the league as there is in hockey and you've got the salary cap but i think last night you don't want to take anything for granted but that was a game beforehand you looked at and said tampa bay should win this game and they end up winning by three which i think in in any standard any era that's a that you would consider that a blowout i mean in today's game you win by three and obviously there was an empty netter at the end but Mm -hmm. that's a four one game and you did what you were supposed to do, partner. And I, I fell for Columbus a little bit. I mean, they have a ton of injuries on the back end. We acknowledge that. So, But that's a game the Lightning should and needed to win, and they did. And they did a lot of good things again that, again, continuing to put points together, stay in the middle of that Atlantic division, stay in a playoff picture, unlike their rival in the same state, the Florida Panthers, who continue to, to falter the Lightning. Just keep accumulating points. And, yes. you know, last night they did what they needed to do against an inferior team, and I'm comfortable saying that. Well, there were there were two bonus points there in their 10-game segment up for grabs, and they have two more coming up in the Montreal game, and they banked them. So they did. right now they're at, what, 39 points, right? Mm-hmm. Through 29 games. So 
the the playoff pace would be 36 points. They're already at 39 with one game left in this 10-game segment. Right. But beyond that, they finished off the homestand well. The homestand ended 5-1, and one, which entering the homestand, given the quality of the opposition the Lightning were facing, I think you would take 5-1 and one every day of the week, wouldn't yep, you? I would agree. If we had entered that Toronto game, whenever it was, almost two weeks ago, and we said at the beginning of the homestand, you'll get 10 out of 12 points, I think all of us would sign up for that. So, so yeah. just from the standpoint of points accumulated, it was a successful, successful homestand. Last night's game lacked a lot of the intensity, I think, that some of the other games had during the homestand. Really, the, the one that had the most, I think, was the Toronto game. That was a heated game. That felt like a playoff game. Yeah. And it was as close as many playoff games often are. This one was at the other end of the spectrum. And maybe it was the fact that it was Columbus. Maybe it was the fact that it was their sixth straight at home. And you can get into maybe a little bit of a, not a rut, but, you know, sometimes you need a little variety. And I think probably this road trip is coming at a good time for the Lightning, even though it's going to be challenging. But it should have their attention, is, is what I'm saying. Four divisional games with a back-to-back in there. But it had a flat feel to it. Bogosian said as much. Phil asked him that post-game. That was one of the sound bites that, that Steve played when Bogosian was talking about the third period. But, but when he was asked about the first period, he said, yeah, it was a little bit flat. I think that the Lightning were very businesslike about how they went about competing in that game. And, and right. Coop kind of, kind of said the same thing when he mentioned, like, we wanted to win, but it's almost like they weren't pushing through any kind of comfort level to, to force themselves into a winning position until the third period. And I'm not going to argue with that. So... Columbus competed hard. I think Columbus has a ceiling based on what their roster looks like right now. But, you know, they took it to the Lightning in terms of possession for a good portion of the second period. That was not a great second period for the Lightning in terms of how they manage the puck, which has kind of been a familiar refrain through the homestand. Their second periods, for the most part, in the homestand were not their best periods. Yeah. In fact, if we were to look at the the six second periods the Lightning had through the homestand, part or all of those second periods were some of the the weakest hockey that they played relative to the first and third. Now they had a rough start against Florida in the first few minutes. They did not have a good first period against Detroit, even though that period ended zero zero. So I understand it's not like black and white, but this was another second period. In terms of how they managed the puck, it was not great. But what they did do well, and we talked about this on the air, was limit scoring chances. Yep. So Columbus did not have a lot of scoring chances in the game or, more specifically, in the second period. Like, think about Elliott's night. He was very solid, but was he asked to make any saves like Tarasov made on Kucherov in the first period? No. We talked no. about that, didn't we? Yeah, so, I mean, let's give the Lightning some credit that when your puck management goes sideways, the very least that you can do, the actually the, one of the most important things that you can do, and it should be the least that you can do, is defend hard. 
And they defended hard. Like, they didn't have the puck a lot in the second period, but they tracked well. They held their structure. They kept the shots to the outside. And that was one reason why they, they entered the third period tied at one. And what a third period the Lightning had through the homestand. I was counting it up, Greg, in my head, so I don't have this this written down definitively, but I think my math is right. In the six games, the Lightning outscored the opposition 13-4 to in the third period. And of the four goals they allowed, two were empty netters in the Detroit game. Wow. Seattle scored with like four seconds left, a meaningless goal, and Detroit scored. Detroit scored three in the third period, two were empty right. netters. But the one that they got that wasn't an empty netter was that tip goal from, from Berggren. Sure. It was a big goal. That was it, though. The other games, the opposition did not score in the third period, and there were three games in the homestand in which the Lightning entered the third period tied mm-hmm. and scored three in the third. Like you said, a three-goal win is a, is a blowout win. The Lightning had three three-goal victories, and in all three, I guess the Seattle game as well. That was a different game, though. But in the other three, Nashville, Florida, and last night's game, you had a tied game going into the third. Braden Point breaks the tie, and then the Lightning add two more goals. They dominated the third period during the homestand. Which was a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, and often coming on the heels of yep. a disappointing, slightly disappointing, moderately disappointing, extremely disappointing yeah. second period. Well, you know, and, and Chief has brought this up before. I don't know how you feel about it. Do you feel like the second period, whether it's statistically or the eye test, is a concern for you? Because it feels like he'll point out often that the play dips for a variety of reasons. I don't and know. Phil feels it is. I just remember that game in Philadelphia. The Lightning dominated the second period. Yeah. Brian Englom has an expression, you know, every game takes on a life of its own, or I'm paraphrasing, but I think he's right. I think the Lightning had a little bit of an exhale in the second period because for the most part, their first periods were good. Maybe not as good as their third periods, but their first periods were good. I misspoke, too, in the Seattle game. The Lightning won that game 6-2, to two, so the, the late goal... Didn't they win that game 6-2? These are all running together for me. Yeah, they won that game 6-2. So that was a four-goal victory. That was a blowout. The other three, though, were three-goal victories that were tied going into the third. So, I don't know. Let's see if it continues. I mean, there are some teams that their goal differential in the second period is really in the red, like they're minus 20. (laughs) And their first and third periods, the goal differential is, is way less bad. I don't think the Lightning are in that boat. No. I don't think so either. So I don't think this is like a systemic problem. I think some of the games have unfolded this way that the opposition has taken it on the chin a little bit in the first period, and then they regroup, Yeah, and they push hard in the second period. I think it's been more that. But if we have four more subpar second periods from the Lightning on this road trip, then you and I can can kind of kick it around and, and see if this is more of a trend than a an isolated situation. It is true that in the second period, if your puck management is not good, you can get stuck out there. Yep. Because your bench is, is across the red line from your defensive zone. It's a good point. And the other thing about last night's game, a couple of things. Uh, 
Pierre-Edouard Belmar, nice job, gets mm-hmm. a goal. Listen, anytime you can get that first goal of the year, it's a relief. We actually thought it was one the goaltender probably should have had. But you can't score if you don't shoot. And that was a great job by him. Great pass by Hedman, by the way, to get it to Nemestikov, Dave, who yeah. then wasn't able to get by the defender, didn't have the angle, but left it for Belmar, who came in with speed, and he just shot it as hard as he could, and sometimes those pucks go in. And I think and, the defender... I don't know who it was for Columbus. Screened the goalie a little bit too. I don't think Tarasov picked it up until it was almost on him. Then it, it hit off his his side and went yep. in the net. It was a good point, but it's it was one that he. You feel he should have stopped it. Well, probably in a game like that, probably. You know, you want to try and beat the Lightning. You've got some limitations on the back end. You're mm-hmm. playing shorthanded to some extent. I think that's probably one. You've got to find a way to at least make a save and doesn't have to be pretty and understanding that he was very sharp i thought in the game overall i think that one takes the wind out of the sails a little bit but nonetheless they battled back and they tied things up on one but it was good to see belmar get rewarded and it continues with this theme partner of the the bottom six contributing yeah. offensively here for the last couple of weeks which was well during see. the homestand for sure yeah. look at the homestand three players four if you include chernak which He's a defenseman. He, he normally isn't scoring a lot. I saw his, his last goal came in St. Louis last year, which I want to say was in the first half of the year. So yeah, the fact that he has zero goals is not a be-all, end-all. I mean, you'd like to see him not have zero goals, but his role on the team is, is like the important stuff that he does for the team is unrelated to how many goals he's scoring. But he got right. one, so good for him. But the other three that went from zero to one – Nemenstikov in the Toronto game, Maroon against Florida, and Belmar last night. Right. And we've talked about Sorelli, who's also at zero goals, but he's played six games. Sorelli, his his contribution as a bottom six forward was was far from insignificant, not only in terms of what he did on the ice in terms of helping drive play, but he had six assists right. during the homestand. Hopefully he'll get his first soon. But we had been talking about, like, Nemenstikov, 20-plus games, no goals. You know, when is it going to come for Maroon? When's it going to happen for Belmar? Well, all three guys got their first. They got it. Yeah. They got it. And uh, that was a beautiful thing to see. And what more can we say? Let's get into it, too. The, the first line, they kind of explode partner in the third period what they can do at times and Braden point did i read that right i feel like tv after the game is it 10 goals in 10 games for Braden point does that yeah. sound right yeah 13 well, he's points got, overall he's got six goals in five games he's on a five game yeah. goal streak tying a career best yes to me that's you want to talk about pl- somebody playing at an elite level chief said to me he goes you know i don't think he gets the recognition that some of the other guys get. And, and maybe that's true. When you talk about the best players in the game, there's always the the Connor McDavid, and then you're going to get the Nathan McKinnon. And then after that, it's, you know, you'll probably throw Crosby still in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And there may be a few defensemen who get the nod. And maybe there is some truth to it. But I think for what he does regarding this team, we have a very high opinion of Braden Point. And the thing about him, Dave... When he's skating the way he is, it opens up so many opportunities for everybody else 
And I think we're seeing that. In addition to the finishing ability right now, Braden Point is is feeling it, and there aren't many guys who can keep up with him. Then you factor in Hagel, who has elite speed, and then Kucherov, who has elite playmaking ability, and you can see why on occasion, probably more than once a game, that line can be a handful when things are clicking. I don't pay a lot of attention to national talk, maybe because I'm listening to HD2. You know? Right. <laughs> I'm not listening to Sirius XM. I think Chief and Phil get a lot of that where they watch the NHL network and they feel that the Lightning as a whole and maybe Braden Point specifically, like they don't get enough love. I think Braden Point gets love. <laughs> I think that within the league there is recognition that he is a top, top player. Remember that question I posed to you hypothetically? I think it was earlier this week. Like, which player in the Lightning strikes more fear into the opposing team as far as a guy you have to defend? Point my, first react- my first reaction was Kucherov. It was Kucherov, and, yes. and that's fine, but Point would be not far down the list, right? No, like, it, listen, you can make the argument, and if you would have told me Braden Point, I, it'd be hard-pressed to argue that. Right, so if the opposition is is circling his name, let's say, and yeah. saying, we got to watch out for this guy, isn't that the level of respect that you would think a player really wants, not some pundit talking about him? I think Point gets that from opposing teams. And, and honestly, I think that the national media understands how good he is. What was it in the 2021 playoffs? He had like a nine-game goal streak, was it? Or a 10-game yeah, goal streak during the playoffs? Incredible. Yeah. He's, uh, the thing that's sticking out, we, we know he has elite speed. For whatever reason, does it feel like on this homestand it's been more pronounced? I, I don't know if it's because he's he's found more room on the ice and we're not used to seeing that. Or maybe it's him finishing at a high level with speed as well. Maybe it's we don't see it all the time because it's hard to do. It feels like it's been really noticeable the last week or so. How fast and how mm-hmm. good he is in in places of traffic doing things at high speed. I don't know how you feel about that. For whatever reason, it, it feels like it's sticking out. Well, he can do it, though. It's not like it's the first time we've seen him play this way. I think his engine, this is probably a, a nice analogy because we're talking about how fast he's playing. Yeah. The speed with which he is moving around the ice and, and making plays at speed. I think his engine has revved up. Maybe it was a little slow at the start of the year. And do we want to use the word hangover? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if hangover is the right word. But the Lightning were not clicking on all cylinders as cliched. But you know what I mean? When we started the season, they were like we had to turn the engine over a couple of times maybe to to get going. And some of that was tied to like we've talked about a lot on the show this year, new players or players accepting new roles or more minutes or whatever the case may be. The Lightning were not operating at top efficiency at the start of the year and while i'm sure that they feel internally there is another level that they can reach they are much farther along now than they were back in october and 
you know, maybe Braden Point has has similar things to say about his game that his game has has elevated. Like he's warm now, right? Yeah. <laughs> he is he's very comfortable on his line. Kucherov and Hagel and Point have formed a very dynamic line. They are a dynamic trio. And Point is doing what he does best, which is dictate the terms of play when he's on the ice. Brian Engblom calls him a transporter, which is what he is. He can get the puck in the defensive zone and just skate out of trouble. He's a one-man breakout. He's fast and he's slippery. Yeah. And not only can he bring it out of the defensive zone, then he can go on the attack. Right. And we've seen that from him. So you're like, we're seeing this from him, and it's really noticeable. Well, when he's playing that way, it is noticeable. And maybe it's it's unreasonable, like your 60-minute game. Maybe it's unreasonable for a player to be like that for 82 straight regular season games, plus however many games in the playoffs. But we've seen yeah. when Braden Point is at the top of his game, that's what we see from him, right? We do. We do. Yeah. We do. I think I think when we talk about playing with speed, and Coop t- mentioned this after his highlight reel goal against the Kraken, points highlight reel goal against the Kraken, there are a lot of guys that can skate fast in the NHL, but to do it at top speed with the puck is very, very rare. And, and on that show after points scored earlier this week, I mentioned Point and McDavid. I would probably I was thinking about it, I would probably include McKinnon now if I can go back and add a third guy. Remember that goal McKinnon scored against the Blues last year in the playoffs? Yes. That was that was similar. So no disrespect man, to Nathan McKinnon. He is probably one other guy that can skate fast and and do it with the puck and make a play at speed. But McDavid is at the top of the list, I think, because he has done it so many times in his career and you know how many times a year do we see one of these highlight real goals from McDavid I think he had one last night I didn't see the goal because they played late but I saw it on the NHL morning skate McDavid scored another highlight real goal yeah why does he score these highlight real goals because he can skate fast and play with the puck at speed it's incredible yeah really is and it's been it's been dynamite to watch how about the unselfishness of Kucherov giving Hagel an opportunity to shoot in the empty netter I mean that yeah <laughs> you know a goal is a goal you don't have to apologize for it we had a whole conversation about Alex Ovechkin you know doing that a little bit throughout his career but uh, yeah, in some ways it kind of speaks I think to Kucherov who he is I think he would rather pass first than shoot sometimes yeah and also you know? I mean he, he probably knew Hagel had nine goals so why not let him get to double digits well, right that's true. hockey Maybe. players they are they are a little different Yeah, they are a little different when it comes to being unselfish at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in the conversation you can that really stood out that was fun to watch uh, Stamkos' point streak is snapped but that's okay it's like the win and move on. I thought Victor Hedman was really good last night, too. I talked about the pass yes. up to Nemestikov. It feels like maybe rounding his game into form at that high level. And, you know, maybe also, too, knowing that if you want to phrase it this way, it picks it up a little bit with Sergachev not in the lineup. You know, you're expected to do a little mm-hmm. bit more because of how good Sergachev has been. 
Well, he's back on the top power play unit for the last few games. Not only did he make a good pass to Nemetsikov, I think he made a really good pass to Kucherov on the Hegel goal that made it 3-1. to one. Yeah. Like, that was kind of a weak dump-in by Columbus. Hedman stopped it probably five feet inside his own blue line. And if my memory is right, I think he one-timed the pass. Or he stopped it and, and fed it quickly. But it went right to Kucherov, and that caught Columbus a little bit in no man's land, which is how Hegel was so open and he had that that angle yeah. on the right side of the ice as a lefty shot right by the way uh a guy i know he actually sent me this text he's like sorry <laughs> i sent it to the wrong person but i was like hey no problem this is interesting i didn't realize this the blues and they beat edmonton last night in edmonton despite mcdavid's spectacular goal the Blues received a minor penalty for starting the wrong lineup. Wow. That's pretty tough to do, I think. That is. Talk about communication issues. They won in spite of that. You don't see that one very often. No, you That is definitely That's... a bench minor. <laughs> that is the definition of a bench minor. I mean, there are certain things you can't do before, like in basketball, there, whether it's in the college ranks or in the pro ranks. It's there's something like during warmups you can't do, and if you do, you're awarded like a technical foul, and the right, right, will right. start with you know just take a free throw. Those are some things that just can't happen. Like there are things you can control as an organization, as a team before a game starts. That's one of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, shame on you. Interesting. They even have done, and I guess this. This definitely happens in the playoffs. I don't know if this happens during the regular season, but if you've ever seen any of those like locker room videos, Quest for the Cup, you know, the last few years you've seen it, when the players actually announce the starting lineup in the yeah. room. And there's like a big production and yeah, you know, the guys clap and stomp their feet and they get pumped up. Yeah. I wonder if that happens during the regular season or if it's like, all right, here's the starting five. <laughs> you know, yeah, good game, point. This is game 29. We don't need to have a lot of hullabaloo for the starting lineup, but whatever the reason, the information was was not – either the information was not communicating communicated properly or there was a miscue in terms of filling out the lineup card. Yeah. It's a good point. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. Hayden Fleury, back in the lineup again. Look good. Continues to look good, doesn't he? Yep. In the lineup in part, in part because Sergachev didn't play. Yeah. But maybe that wasn't the only reason. And Nemesikov came back after missing one game. What's interesting is his play continues to be at a level that you feel pretty comfortable, Dave, if he was in your top six. I do. Now, I, I've said to you, I think that conversation, assuming there aren't any injuries, will come down to probably Bogosian because of all of the attributes he brings to the table. Mm -hmm. But if things stay the way they are, Flurry has given himself an opportunity to sit at that table and to feel pretty good about where his play is. And that's a credit to him. But you know what, though, too? I think it's also a credit to the coaching staff. Let's give them a little tip of the cap. You got to try and integrate a guy into your system. You've got to understand strengths and weaknesses, and I think you have to make him feel comfortable. And I think it's a combination of probably that, 
and also understanding for Flurry, we, we kind of had this debate the other day, is that I, I think when you come into the league and you have high expectations and you don't fulfill them by whoever standards, whether it's the media, personnel, or even your own, when you don't fulfill those high expectations, I think you become situated where you're at a crossroads in your career. And you need to find out, am I going to be part of the NHL permanently? Or am I going to be somebody that maybe bounces around and is used as a spare part? I don't know what's going to happen with Flurry moving forward. But if he keeps this play up, Dave, I don't think he has to worry about being sent down to Syracuse in any way. We mentioned this when talking about Adam Ernie. Because he was a high pick. Not as high as Hayden Flurry, but he was a high pick. He was a high second round pick. And when the team that drafts you uses a high pick on you, maybe there's an expectation that you have to be this sort of player. And if you don't turn into that sort of player, even if you are a capable player and a contributing player in the NHL, the team that drafted you feels that they need to move on. Right. So Hayden Fleury, I think he went seventh overall in the 2014 Draft. That's a high pick. I mean, Very that's not like pick. that's not like 18th in the first no. round. You know, where sometimes those are right hit or misses. And he just couldn't crack their lineup. Now, yeah. the years that he was kind of developing, Carolina, even before Rod Brindamore got there, like they've had some good defensemen. Yeah, they've had. I mean, he's a lefty, so they've had Jacob Slavin, right? And then Brady Shea came in the last few years. He's their second lefty D. Calvin DeHaan, who who has a little bit of like an Ian Cole in him, you know, in a way like sure. a veteran, steady, penalty killing. Like he's a guy that typically plays in your top six. Yeah. And it was it was two guys. It was Hayden Flurry and Jake Bean. Neither one of them could crack the NHL roster up until really it was the the fifty six game season, I think. Right. That and it was more Bean than Flurry, actually, but it was during that year that the Hurricanes decided to move on from Hayden Flurry, and they traded him at the deadline to Anaheim to get a right-handed defenseman, right, from Anaheim. So, if you're Hayden Flurry, you're with a good team, Carolina. Carolina is a good team. Carolina a good became team. a very good team while he was still within their organization, but. He didn't become the player they thought he was going to be. I think I feel safe saying that. So they cut ties. They they move him. The next two teams he was with, and he was only with Anaheim for the end of that shortened season. So he wasn't there very long. But Anaheim was a bad team in 2021. They missed the playoffs. Right. And then he went to Seattle, an expansion team that did not have a great season last year. I'm not sure that Seattle had huge expectations the same level as Carolina, but you know, whenever it fits you popped in the booth before we played the Kraken, before the Kraken game during the homestand, and Phil and I asked him, like, what happened with Hayden Fleury? He's like, he just wasn't one of the top six, basically. Yeah. Which seems interesting to think about that they had other guys that were ahead of him on a team that struggled as much as the Kraken did last year. But be that as it may, my point is that this is the first time in his career that Hayden Fleury is playing on a good team without the weighty expectations of being a high draft pick. 
And if you don't think that makes a difference, you're wrong. Yeah. I think that he is now in a situation where it's not like every mistake is going to be, you know, glaring. You're not you're not spending as much time maybe in your own zone because your team isn't as good. And I think he's settled in very well. Learning a new system, too. I mean, let's be honest. You know, coming to a new team is not insignificant. And he has done very well to integrate himself, even as he has been scratched quite a bit in this first third of the season. Sure. He's had to wait his turn. He has not been in regularly. But when he's had a chance to go in, he has acquitted himself very well, as you noted. But I wonder if if it's a combination of previously he had the weighty expectations of being the seventh overall pick or he was playing on a team that that struggled. Yep. Now he's on a good team and he can just play his game. He doesn't have to be the seventh overall pick, kind of like we said with Ernie. Ernie has settled in with Detroit as a player Detroit needs him to be. He doesn't need to be the 33rd player picked in the draft or whatever he was. He just needs to be Flurry, and that'll right. be good enough. Yeah. So, And it doesn't appear that Sergachev's injury, Dave, is going to be anything serious. Yeah, Eric yeah, Erlinson just... had in his article that, that Sergachev and Rudy Balsers, by the way, will be coming on the road trip. Rudy! So Rudy! Yeah. Working his way back. That'll be fun. That'll be fun to see what that lineup looks like, Dave. Because I, I will say this again, and, and something we have we've touched on. I, I do think it's a combination of Sorelli coming back and Balsers, who was acquired from the waiver wire, that mm-hmm. maybe grabbed the attention of some of the guys who weren't producing. So competition, you need it. In that bottom six especially. When there's turnover with a team, it's usually going to happen in the bottom six. Your top guys are usually going to stay together unless you're the Florida Panthers and you want to make a drastic move, and some teams do that. But for the most part, you know who your top six will be. What's your bottom six going to look like? And sometimes that can get a little stale. And as a coaching staff, as management, part of their job is to create that competition. And the Lightning have done that. They've also done it with you know a guy like Nick Perbix coming in and continuing to play well. His play, Dave, hasn't dipped much. I mean, if any. No. 29 games in. I know Chris Kren brought it up. And that maybe in the back of some people's minds that, you know, is he going to hit a wall because it's just the grind of an NHL season? I know you've pointed out, you know, he's played a lot of hockey before in one year, just hasn't been at the NHL level. And I think that's just one of those talking points that we can say in general for a lot of young players, but it always doesn't happen. And it may not happen with Perbix. Well, did you see his line last night? I think we were wondering when he got paired with Victor Hedman, would his minutes kind of stay the same and they'd find extra minutes for Hedman? Because you don't want Victor Hedman playing 15, 16 minutes a night, which is kind of where Perbix had been. Right. And maybe it was just last night a confluence of a lot of five-on-five time, which there was a lot of five-on-five time, and no Sergachev. So, I mean, Perbix is a righty, Sergachev's a lefty. But typically, Sergachev is, if he isn't leading the Lightning in ice time, which usually Hedman is, then he's second. So Hedman played 26-34 last night, and he had the extra minutes on the power play. Perbix played 22-43. So I think that that tells you how comfortable Rob Zettler works the D, how comfortable Zettler 
is in sending out Perbix basically every time that Hedman is going over the boards for a five-on-five shift. So it's not that they're having to find Victor minutes away from Perbix right now. It's that they're giving Perbix extra minutes. Yes. Which is a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. For a guy who continues to just be consistently solid. And I think that's all that the Lightning want him to be. And he has done that at a very high level, which is good. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. Uh, get some tweets here. But anything catch your attention beyond what we've touched on last night against Columbus, partner? Anything else? that Brian Elliott, we mentioned him. Another win. Yeah. Didn't have he, to had a very, he had a very solid performance. Well, let me just talk about Columbus for, for a brief minute because this is a tough situation when you have Please so do. many key guys injured. But on the other hand, when you have that, you can kind of make assessments of some players, even though... The, and and the team is actually hanging in there, like in. They aren't hanging in there. They're they're going to miss the playoffs because they're way back, but they're way back because they started poorly. Yeah. With the loss last night, they're seven, eight, and two in their last seventeen games. Which, if they'd started nine and three instead of three and nine or whatever it was, then you'd say, all right, well, they're kind of hanging in there, right? So they have won, a little less than half of the games that they've played over the last let's say 6 7 weeks. So how are they how are they doing that? What what is their team looking like? And when you have so many injuries, sometimes you you get a look at at guys that wouldn't be normally used in the role that they are in. This Cole Stillinger is a player. He's a really good player. Phil and I were commenting outside of Tarasov who played quite well for them especially through two periods. Stillinger might have been their best player. Yeah. last night and they have been on that line with kent johnson and marchenko who's also a young player who scored the goal that i thought was columbus's best line so sillinger would be playing whether they had a lot of injuries or not but i think they have a, a good young player in him and i mean this is a small sample size but we saw sillinger last year too and i kind of came away with the same impression and you know who impressed me on the blue line? And I noticed that that he has been in more than some of the other guys because they had all these injuries on defense. Wierenski, they lost Bean. Jake Bean is on their team. He's injured. Blankenberg is a guy they got out of college. He's injured. This Marcus Bjork, now he finished minus two last night, but I thought he was very solid back there. Yeah. And... Like, would Marcus Bjork be in the lineup if not for these injuries? Maybe not. But he is in the lineup, and they're taking a look at him, and he's playing on their top pair. He was playing with Gavrikov, who's, other than Gud Branson, basically their most experienced defenseman. And Phil thought he had a really good game last night, too. So, again, you know, it's a small sample size. The Columbus people are seeing these players way more than I am, but I'm really impressed with Sillinger. I think he's going to be a, a top player. Teenager, in this right? League. Still, he's a still a teenager. Yeah, he's nineteen. How many? Uh, 03 three birthday. I think it's a January 03 birthday. So he's going to be turning twenty very soon. But still, how many teams did his dad play for? Is <laughs> like fourteen? Or did he something. play for? The, he played for the Lightning. Didn't <laughs> yeah, briefly. Yeah, Mike Sillinger. Well, either 
how do you want to look at it? Glass half full, glass half empty. <laughs> the team he was with was willing to part with him or another team really wanted him? <laughs> we'll look at the latter. That's a more positive way of looking at it, right? I would agree with that. So that was that's a good observation. And, you know, Patrick Laine, has there been another potential superstar that's had some ups and downs that have been as big as his have been over the last yeah. few years? Yeah, he's had injury problems. He does score goals still. Like, you look at his numbers. Bally Sports Sun had the, the lineup, like, in the last... I forget what it was. I don't have the numbers memorized. But he was basically around a point per game over the last 10, 11 games with a fair number of goals. So he can shoot. He can score. I thought he was pretty quiet last night. Yeah. As was Johnny Gaudreau. They only had one power play. But still. I thought Man. the Sillinger line was their was their most dynamic line last night. Hit us up on Twitter, if you'd like, at Bolts Radio. That's where you can get involved in the conversation. We've got about 10 minutes remaining here in the show. We can still take some of your comments that are starting to trickle in, and um, we can kind of go from there. Uh, Al wants to know, were you guys surprised Cal Foote wasn't in the lineup? Uh, I'll I'm answer not, that. Yeah, go, I'm go not surprised, but go ahead. No, I was going to agree with you. I, I, I think as long, would you agree, partner, that this rotation of depth defensemen continues as such, and they make a decision one way or the other on, on reducing that, I think you have to find ways to rotate guys in and out. And it's almost like regardless of play. Would you agree? Yeah, because I think the same is true of foot that we said of Bogosian when he went out of the lineup. This is not performance-based. This no. is getting getting everybody in to play some games. I would agree with that. So, Al, I, I think it's going to be something until something happens or gives this is just kind of where we are with the Lightning. The good news is, I mean, I think these guys, and some people may disagree, I, I think they're all playing at a level where when they're in the lineup, you're not noticing them for a ton of negative reasons. And I think that's fair no, to say. No, yeah. Look, I mean, were the Lightning perfect last night? No. Like we just said, their second period was not to their standard. But they defended well, and the yeah. defense has a lot to do with that. Well, the five-man unit has a lot to do with that, but the the defensemen that were out on the ice all defended well. Yeah, in front of Brian Elliott, and if you look at the six games in the homestand, the Detroit game was a weird game because the Wings scored two empty net goals. But if we look at goals scored on goaltenders in the net, yeah. in every game after the Toronto game, the Lightning held the opposition to two or less. Right. The Toronto game was was three, right? Wasn't that four three in overtime? I think you're right. Yeah. So, or was it three two in overtime? Now that's bugging me. I got to look that up. But be that as it may, the goals against went down for the Lightning. It did, and that was a really encouraging trend. Now, some of that was outstanding goaltending, <laughs> like the beginning of the Florida game, the first period against Detroit. The goaltending was was phenomenal. But in other games, it had more to do with how the team was playing in front of the goaltenders. I would agree with that, too. I would agree with that, too. You know, it's interesting. When you talk about the depth, you never know when you're going to need it up front or on the back end. And let's face it, too, throw the goaltending in there. By the mm -hmm. way, speaking of goaltending, the Lightning have, I think, 
for a team that's up against the cap, Dave, would you agree? Their depth, while it was something I think we were curious to see how it would play out, is turning out to be a strength. I mean, Dave, we've talked about this before with Balsers getting back into the equation, but mm-hmm. with Sorelli elevating his play and what that bottom six looks like now, you do have some options there up front and on the back end and in nets that a lot of teams just don't don't have. Well, Brian Elliott has won seven in a row after he lost his first game of the year. Seven in a row. And in some games, he's given up, you know, four to five goals. He gave up five goals in in the game in Buffalo. The Lightning scored six in overtime. But even in that game, like we said, how many many were on him? Maybe one. He has just made sure that he is – he is allowed one less, at least one less than the guy at the other end of the rink. Yeah. That's how he's won seven straight. And and in doing that, he has played very well. It's not like every game the Lightning are winning 6-5 that he's Correct. in that. It's been fun to watch. And the de- the depth shouldn't be this good this many years into this run with what the Lightning have built. It just shouldn't. Yeah. They've lost a lot of players, and it really came to the forefront this offseason. But internally, guys have picked up their play, and they're young enough where the upside, we still don't know what it is with Sergachev. Chernak, you can probably throw him in that equation. And then you have guys who, in this bottom six, because of Nick Paul and Hagel, have bounced people down a little bit in the lineup. And now you've got a situation here where you're feeling pretty good. So it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Look, depth is a big part of it. That's why we spend so much time talking about the bottom six. Remember we were talking with Chris yesterday about questions the Lightning have answered and questions that are still unanswered. And I think we've checked some boxes off in terms of questions we had at the start of the year. Yes. At this point. And during this homestand, the bottom six, and whether it was Sorelli, like exclusively tied to Sorelli's return or more than that, whatever the case, the bottom six has picked it up. Yep. Not only in terms of production, which is a very tangible way of assessing it, they're scoring more than they were earlier, but they're playing with the puck more. Right. They're helping drive play or continuing to drive play more. I think at the top of the list, along with Sorelli's return, has been Maroon. I think Maroon is playing his best hockey. In a while. For sure, of the season. <laughs> in a while, yes. Well, I don't, look, he's had... Remember how good that line was in the final last year against I do. Colorado? I yeah, do. I mean, they were, they were the one line that made Colorado yeah. play in the defensive zone. But for this year, certainly, his... How many weeks has it been? You know, 12 weeks or so? That's too many. 10 weeks? His his first five weeks were quieter than his second five weeks. Definitely. And and great to see that he got rewarded with the goal against the Panthers. Yes. It's been fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And the Lightning are going to be now on the road. This, we you agree, this will be a little bit of a challenging road trip? Yes. This is going to be a good one, right? So we got the itinerary. So this is what Ryan Bellick puts together before each road trip. So, I mean, he's ballparking this. 
But he has the Lightning getting into their hotel in Detroit at one thirty in the morning after they play Toronto. And you might say, ooh, I'm like, that's early. Like, if if we get in at 1.30, I'll be pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're talking about now, it sounds like we're going to be clearing customs on the U.S. side. So you can do it one of two ways. You can either wait at the airport. And by wait, I mean, like, you're standing in line Mm -hmm. at the airport in Toronto. Yep. And you clear there, and then you can fly directly to your private terminal, wherever you're going in the U.S. Or you can just leave canada toronto in this case at your private terminal but you land at the main airport wherever you're going in the u.s in this case detroit and go through customs there then you have to take a bus the bus usually meets you at the terminal but you got to wait for your luggage basically it's not like out on the tarmac so either way like you're 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 pushing the length of the trip either at the front end or the back end yeah and we're doing it at the back end which Ryan has a finger on the pulse of maybe which airport is is easier to get through. So we'll see. But but no matter how you slice it, that Detroit game is going to be a really tough game. Detroit's going to be home rested, and that is a difficult back-to-back. And the Lightning are coming off a game against Toronto. Like, that's going to be, I would expect, a game like the one we saw at Amelie at yeah. the start of the homestand. It's going to be... A very intense, emotional, probably fast-paced game. So those are two tough games in the middle of the road trip. Montreal is coming off a bad home loss, and I'll call it that to Anaheim. One that they are probably looking at as we need to win that game. They were down 2 nothing. They tied it at 2 in the third and then gave up a goal immediately. So they're coming off a loss. Right. And Buffalo is playing well. Buffalo just beat Colorado in Denver. And Cage Thompson is just scoring like crazy. So these are going to be four tough games, compounded by the fact that they have a very tough back-to-back in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. So I think Phil had said, try and come home with at least five points, which is the John Cooper metric, come home with more points than games. We'll see if they're able to do that. But we'll start it off tomorrow, and we'll talk about it on Monday, the first game, Lightning and Canadians. Love it. Be a lot of fun. We'll have all the coverage for you starting at... Six o'clock. I'll be on with Eric Erlinson doing the last call as well. And nice. Will at be... least it's not a Western trip. I feel like when we do those, we just don't even do the, the last call. Oh, okay. Call, which I think makes sense. Although, I don't know. I think the, the way our fans have engaged our shows, I don't know. What Do you, do you get the sense they'd, they'd want us to talk at like one o'clock in the morning too? Yeah, maybe if it was a Saturday. What do you think? I mean, I, I, I take a poll. Do you want more of us <laughs> at midnight? Oh, you'll be sleeping. You'll be on a plane. I'll be on a plane. You'll be traveling. All right, partner. This was a lot of fun. And uh, safe travels, by the way. Thank you. you know, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yep, I look forward to that. And then we'll be back at it again on Monday. Steve Ersling, thank you for all your hard work. And thanks to everybody out there who listened. We always appreciate that. I am Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lighting Radio.